Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, how does it work? I mean, if I'm standing at the metaphorical gates of heaven and and the door opens and a brand spanking new soul comes through the door, uh, there's a brand new soul right there, just right there. There it is, right there, brand new soul. Now, a soul doesn't have a brand new soul, I suppose, doesn't have any experience being a human. And without having any experience being a human, they don't have any desires. They don't even know what to desire, right? And and the soul is, this brand new soul is without, um, uh, what would I say, symptoms or um, ailments or incongruencies or out of balanceness or dis-ease. So the soul incarnates and incarnates and incarnates and after a while, wow, they're not as quite as pure as they used to be. They're they're taking on some stuff. They're loading up their psyche with some karma perhaps. Fast forward a few hundred more incarnations, and now we're getting into some more, uh, perhaps more of a quagmire of consciousness. What's happened to this soul that they've loaded up their psyche And now, and now they're taking on more and more challenging conditions, situations, experiences. If we followed them around with a clipboard, could we point to the moments, the situations, the experiences that load up their psyche with karma. Now, why am I talking about karma when tonight's show, the topic is the Encyclopedia of Energy Medicine, and our guest tonight is Lenny Thomas. We're going to bring her on in just a minute, but when that soul walked through the door, brand spanking new, there was no dis-ease. So is all healing, is all medicine, is all energy work a return to that that unscathed, that pure canvas, that unblemished persona? And how can we have different experiences? If... if uh, a very advanced soul has come into planet Earth and went through the military and loaded his psyche up with PTSD and now he's running on fumes and if he catches a cold tonight, he'll certainly die. 
If he catches a cold tonight, he'll certainly die. His psyche loaded up. And then there's stories of Jesus going into leper colonies and into um, difficult situations, and he walks out unscathed. Wait a minute. He's walking into the 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 torrent, the 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 illness, the where somebody might catch a disease, might catch a sickness, and yet it doesn't touch, it doesn't scathe, it doesn't attach to the Jesus persona. What's the difference between those two? What is this dis-ease that we're, we're addressing when we use energy medicine? I'm I'm really stoked for tonight's show and boy howdy this book this this encyclopedia of energy medicine has a lot of material in it so I think we should probably get to it. Again the topic tonight is the encyclopedia of energy medicine and our guest is Lenny Thomas. The subtitle of the book is A Comprehensive Reference to Healing Modalities from Acupressure to Zero Balancing. This newly revised edition of the Encyclopedia of Energy Medicine is an expansive reference for laymen, students, and practitioners wishing to know more about energy healing practices. With newly added modalities, updated course listings, an improved list of energy medicine associations, and other fresh content, this comprehensive dictionary directory sorry, features dozens of different healing schools and programs in a field that is constantly growing and evolving. Lenny covers 56 energy healing modalities such as reflexology, healing touch, lomi lomi, holotropic breath work, thought field therapy, and others. She lists each therapeutic method, certification requirements for practitioners, description of courses, including contact information, and codes of ethics making it easy to find the information you need to explore these healing techniques for yourself. Lenny has a deep background in energy work, both in researching modalities and as a healing practitioner. She has also mastered technical writing with Tektronics and Intel and studied nuclear engineering at Oregon State University. In addition to her healing practice, Lenny teaches healing techniques at local hospitals. You can learn more at LennyThomas.com. That's L-I-N-N-I-E Thomas.com. Join me in welcoming Lenny to the show. Lenny, it's so nice to have you on the show. Well, hi, Les. It's so good to be here. I'm really excited about what we're going to get to talk about. It's my favorite subject. 
what a lot of work you've done to to compile all this information. This is not a weekend project. <laughs> no, it's a total of about six years worth of work. One thing, I wanted to either have experience a, a session or take a class in every one of these so that I really knew what I was talking about. Well, I mean, j just the notion of the term energy medicine. I mean, I, I like to kind of uh, lay the groundwork for the terms that we use in our conversation. So when we say energy medicine, what are we talking about? We're talking about work, working with the energy that's within the body and surrounding the body. People, all people have, and dogs, cats, trees, have electrical, chemical, and magnetic energy running through the, their bodies. Also, we have life force energy running through the body. When something gets out of balance, you stub your toe, you have an argument with a loved one, you have surgery or an injury, the field gets out of balance. And what a practitioner does is comes in and balance the field, which enables the person to heal more quickly with less pain. That's basically what we do, is just bring things into the balance. It's another tool in the toolbox. Uh, an example might be here in the Pacific Northwest, we get a lot of rain. And we've got a construction worker, and he's fallen, and he's broken a leg, and it's a compound fracture which means the bone has actually pierced the skin. If a surgeon goes in and sets the bone, that leg is going to heal that much better, that much faster. He may use pins to help hold that bone together to help that leg heal. If someone comes in and sterilizes the wound to prevent infection, that leg is going to heal that much better and that much faster. If someone stitches the, the wound together, there's less likely to be a scar. If someone gives them antibiotics, there's less likely to have an infection. And if an energy medicine practitioner comes in and rebalances the field, that leg is going to heal a little faster with fewer complications. We are not in competition in any way, shape, or form. We're simply another tool in the toolbox to help people get well. Sure. I mean, there's... Well, your book is an example with with so many modalities. It's uh, it, well, it's a curious thing. We were talking a little bit before the show when uh, I mean when we talk about balancing the field. How, how does that come into play with with the 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 client themselves? I mean because. We talked a little bit about the idea of a placebo effect. If if I can take a sugar pill that has no m medicine attributes, and yet I, if the patient believes that this placebo is going to have the effect, what happens in inside the patient that... Um, one modality might work better than others. It, does that, I, I mean, you've well, listed, 
you've listed so many modalities in here and and if one patient goes to uses one modality and it, it might not have as much of an impact and they go to another modality and it has a much more substantial impact what is it about the the client that makes them more receptive to a particular type of modality well that would be cultural background family history uh the neighborhood they grew up in the community uh their belief system their religion all those things have a factor in in what we choose for healing not just energy medicine but in all the different allopathic method methods that we have for healing and with energy healing all you have to have is a willingness you don't have to believe in it and things can still happen uh, perhaps an intention would you say yes when with all of the modalities one of the first things we do is we do an intake find out what's going on with the client set a goal for what we would like to have happen for this session and then we set an intention for that and it's done by both the client and the practitioner now something that's important to know a practitioner is basically an assistant to the client the, it, it's like a garden hose uh, we don't turn on the water for the plants we don't turn it off we don't tell the plant what to do with the water once they get it we're simply a way of assisting the water to get to the plant and the plant decides what it's going to do with it so when I'm working with a client I am basically assisting them in bringing themselves into balance the client themselves actually does the work even though it may be subconscious and they have no clue whether it's going on I like that bring bringing the client uh, into balance now I can yeah. I can certainly share my own story of um, um, energy work that I didn't see coming um, I was uh, this is 25 probably 30 years ago I, I ended up on a psychiatrist's couch, and uh, I felt like my world was uh, collapsing in on me. Um, everything was getting more and more difficult in my life, and I had worked with this uh, psychiatrist for uh, a couple of years, and I've shared this story before, and and but in in this sharing of it I'm I had I was starting to get ulcers and I I had had digestive tract issues for about a decade and in one particular episode it changed my life uh, the we connected with an immense amount of anger in my subconscious and in that episode I released I released out of my psyche a lot of energy and within the next uh, week or two I really got proactive about looking for um, unresolved energy in my subconscious but as I released that 
anger out of my my psyche, the 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 ulcer symptoms vanished, the digestive tract issues vanished, and so for the last 25 or 30 years, I've been scrubbing my psyche, and I I quit getting sick. I mean, I, I haven't had a cold in I don't know how long, and and what. And what I'm getting at here is when we talk about the the energy field being out of balance, how does that come to be? How do we take on disease? How do we lose the balance of our our energy field? Well, I have I have a lot of fun with people who are going through surgery and their doctors. Let's say somebody's got a, a hip replacement. And you can run your hand about six inches above the body, down down the body. And when you come to the hip, the hand naturally wants to raise up and then come back down towards the knee. And that's an energy spike. So by bringing that gently with my hands back into balance and soothing it, which can take me sometimes 10 minutes, 15 minutes, uh, that disappears because I've brought that field back into balance. But I have fun with doctors because I'll, I'll, I'll have them do it, and they'll say, I don't feel anything, but they're not looking at their hand. So I'll say, do it again and watch your hand, and their hand will naturally go up, and then go, the eyes get big, and and then I'll say, okay, come back in about 15 minutes and do it again. And those that do just about drop their teeth. I mean, it's it's amazing. Same thing with family members and spouses and stuff like that. Uh, I, I I love immediately after this the surgeon surgery it really shows up, and I can tell a good surgeon from a, a not so good surgeon by the way the field has reacted to what's happened. It really oh, shows I thought, up. I thought you were going to say you you ran your hand along the surgeon and look for no I'm kidding <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, uh, well, that's that's a curious thing. So, I mean, it it's not a it's not a physical thing. So there's there's an etherical field. I mean, when we talk about this yeah. field, you're you're re- you're running your hand above the surface. You're not touching the patient. It's above the skin, and then you have this feeling of the field. Um, the distortion or the density of the field. Did you always have that uh, awareness or sensitivity, or is that something that you learned? Well, I come from a family of reason and logic. They were all engineers and lawyers. And so the woo-woo stuff just didn't appear. But I knew from when I was two that I was a little different, that I sensed things that other people didn't. But I learned to shut up about it really quick when I was little. But it, 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 I'm trying to put this into words. For me, when I first started doing this 27 years ago, I knew that I could see things when I was younger and that I had somewhat shut it down. But I could still do it from time to time. And then I would make up stuff about it. And I didn't want to get involved with it where I was making up something. So I decided I would go by what I felt. And it turns out I'm quite kinesthetic because I work now almost entirely by feel. And that 
that works best for me. And then I have a spirit guide that works with me. After a couple of years, he came in, and after I'd done a treatment, he would critique me about what I was thinking, uh, how I handled it, why did I do what I did. And he's still with me. I've had him for 25 years now. And I pay attention when he makes a suggestion. It's always right. Nice. But when I got into into Healing Touch, I went to Healing Touch because they have a lot of science behind what they do. Reiki was too woo-woo for me at the time. I couldn't handle that. Uh, Barbara Brennan was way too expensive for me, and besides, it was in Florida, and I'm in Oregon. Um, So... I, and once when I walked in the door, within five minutes, I knew I was in the right place because I needed the science. And but they also had a spirituality as well. And bringing the two together is really pretty powerful. Nice. Well, when I I shared when I got cracked open, um, I. Back then, I felt, uh, as far as sensitivity, being sensitive to energy in my persona, I felt like a 50-pound sack of cold potatoes. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel nothing. I mean, I I had no sensation. Maybe in my extremities, if I rub my hands together and clap them and rub them, then I might get a little sensitivity for a a few minutes, and then I'd go back to being... um, uh, very lethargic and now now like I'll wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and if I don't feel like I'm going to be going back to sleep anytime soon I go with my consciousness I go looking through my psyche and I'll notice the most subtle little energy in my persona and then I'll sit there and work on it and work on it and unravel it and unravel it. And um, it's kind of a curious thing. I know a lot of this could be considered subtle energy. And when I Mm -hmm. first, when I first heard that term, I thought subtle energy, well, that seems lethargic, but if, if, the audience, if if we all just sit with our persona right now, for the most part, it's going to feel, quote, normal, unquote. I mean, no matter what our energetic disposition is, after a while, it becomes the norm. And um, to go in and discover unresolved energy is going to be a very subtle difference from what the baseline of normal is. Does that make sense? Yes, it sure does. And uh, our society is becoming more and more aware of energy medicine. When I first started 27 years ago, very few people in my classes knew what a chakra is. Now, almost all my students do. And a lot of them have been taking classes from other modalities, not not just healing touch. And they'll use techniques from more than one modality. If if one doesn't seem to be doing the trick, they'll be doing another. Nice. Well, did I mean I really like I really like this book because you've done the work. You really have done the work. And um 
and you said you wanted exposure to these uh, uh, modalities. Did any did any of the um, uh, modalities surprise you when you um, investigated them? Mm. I haven't had that question. I don't think so. Um, I, I found some of them fascinating. Uh, they went in directions I hadn't thought of before. Uh but no, I don't think I was surprised. I guess I'd been in it long enough that, and by then I was starting to study things, and so um, it, it, some of it just it just seemed natural. Right. Well, I mean, you've you've really done a, a fabulous job. I'm looking at the table of contents. And in section one, you talk about the legalities of uh, energy work. And um, I think you do a great job in explaining to practitioners um, that aspect. And that that pretty much uh, comes up with any of these. But just looking at some of the sections, you have body work and meridian work, energy, psychology, energy work, spiritual Synergy, resonance, transformation, and altered consciousness. I mean, you've you've really delved into this. And um, for for myself, I I do energy work, and I kind of discovered it within myself. And I didn't I didn't um, pursue any modality. I just um, learned to understand this wiring or this this ability or whatever that I had and and the more I made room for it so to speak the more I created opportunities to practice and use it um, the the more I understood it and what I'm getting at is if you the listener feel like you're wired or attracted to energy medicine, this book is really a wonderful way to kind of investigate what modalities resonate with you or, and it, it can even affirm what you might be thinking on your own about your own disposition. Well, that's what it was for. Uh, It's for clients who want to look for a practitioner that fits their comfort zone. It's for people who are looking to go into energy medicine so that they can pick something that, again, fits what they believe in, their comfort zone. It's also for people who are just curious about it and and want to know, what is this? What are people doing? I'm hearing about it. I don't know what it is. And that's, that's what the book is all about. And it, it... Thank you, though, for your comments. Uh, it makes us six years' worth of work and study to put this together worthwhile. I appreciate it. Oh, you've done a fabulous job. Now, I don't see spiritual flogging in here. I guess we can't flog people. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. Uh, no, um. no, no. <laughs> Energy work would have to come in and, and rebalance the field if we're going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> No, no cattle prods. 
Damn. I mean, all the fun stuff's missing. I'm sorry no, I'm to ki- disappoint you, no, Les. <laughs> no, no, I am totally kidding, but... Um, I know you are. So am I. <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't forgive me then. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yes, I do. Of course. <laughs> so, um, well, how do we go about, I mean... If if I'm the listener and I feel like I have um, I'm I'm being called or attracted to the idea of energy medicine, is is there things we can look for in our own um, demeanor that might guide us to a particular modality? I mean, if you're a- you, you well, talked ahead. about the, the science of healing touch really helped you connect with it. And so so yeah. I wonder if a listener is new to this, I mean, what can they uh, discern about themselves, so to speak, to align with a particular modality? They're going to learn a tremendous about a, amount about themselves no matter which modality they pick. It is a great tool for really learning about who you are taking the classes, big time. Now, because I come from a family of engineers and science-minded people, the science was important to me. But for some people, they don't want that. They're coming from a spiritual aspect or whatever, and they just want to get into it and do the work without worrying about details. Well, I have to admit, I'm a recovering engineer myself. I've I worked <laughs> in broadcast TV for 40-plus years as an engineer, and, and now I'm doing energy stuff, and I'm doing this spiritual podcast. Who, who'd have thunk? Well, I was right. to my uh, – there's uh, – here in Denver, there was an acupuncturist, and I thought it was uh, uh, really good. And I, I asked him, I said, are you – are you a master? And he goes, oh, no, no, I'm not a master. I said, well, what's the difference between you and a master? And he said, well, a master will only use one needle. And I got to thinking about that. It's like, it's not about the needle then. I mean, if you start out using a bunch of needles and you end up using one, and and we were talking a little bit about this um, before the show started, if you start off uh, just, uh, let's say, Reiki, and you go to a Reiki class, and you're trying to learn the the modality, and it might feel a little clumsy when you try it, and then you fast forward 10, 20, 30 years into it, and and you have a completely different experience. What's changing about you as a practitioner that... You go from, in the acupuncturist example, you go from using a bunch of needles down to using one needle. What changes there? Well, actually, usually there's a key point that triggers all of them. And so a master knows how to find that one key point that will calm down all the others. And through practice, I I know acupuncturists... who use fewer needles than they they did when they started because they know where the key points are. Same thing with the energy field and you're working with the chakras. Uh, Usually there's one, you get it balanced, 
and the rest will balance. Not always, but frequently it's it's one that triggers all the others to, right. to go out of balance. Well, with your experience with healing touch, have you noticed um, your experience changing as you practice it more and more? Time, big time. I, I, it, it, I, I've been the day I stopped learning will be the day I, I need to quit. But for me, I'm learning something. Almost every client that comes through, I learn some little thing that I didn't know before, or at least my awareness wasn't there of that thing. And so it, it, it just accumulates over time, but it leaves me in awe. I'm always amazed at the things that happen just by waving my hands over someone. Well, I mean, we've talked to all kinds of uh, people on this show. Um, we've, we've talked about epigenetics and and the effect of consciousness on D, on mm-hmm. DNA, and and I mean, you can you can hypnotize somebody and take like a, a spoon, a room temperature spoon, and and tell them it's flipping hot, and you touch their skin, and the skin gets a blister. Mm-hmm. Because because of the hypnosis, it's it's like, uh, and then there's the the placebo effect. It, uh, I'm just I'm just trying to understand it. It's almost like we've loaded ourselves up with a thousand reasons why it shouldn't work, why we shouldn't be powerful, why why we can't, and then and then we're we dismantle that or, or we give ourselves permission or we, we lose the belief systems that say we can't and we um, take on or install belief systems that say we can. I'm, I'm just trying to understand what happens in the mechanism of the practitioner that changes well, their it, experience. It, but less, it's no difference than people taking an aspirin. Some people an aspirin will work just beautifully and some people an aspirin won't. And part of it is, is, is the, the body itself. Each body is totally unique. And so no two methods are going to work on, on the same people. Uh, it, it's, it, each body has a different set of needs. Some of it is ancestral. Um, but just in the chemical makeup of each body, they're all unique. Do you, do you ever feel that um, a dis-ease has a, a soul purpose or a life purpose where perhaps yeah. somebody has incarnated and, and they they get, you know, um, herpes simplex 12, I made that up, and uh, and they go to practitioners of all modalities and they can't seem to shake it. Is is the disease sometimes part of the life purpose? Yes, definitely. And also it's the body's way of talking to you, saying you need to pay attention here. Pain is a really big message system. Most of the time it's the body trying to tell you to slow down, rest, especially in this day and age. 
So the body uses pain as a signaling mechanism mm-hmm. for you to show you. I mean, so how do we, is, is there a way to interpret that pain? I mean, um, but you see, that's also, again, unique to the individual. So it, it just like dreams, you, you really need to interpret your own dreams because we all have different points of view of looking at things. And I've, I've had people try to interpret my dreams, and they were way off because it, it had nothing to do with what I, how I think and feel and believe. But the same thing here, uh, it, it's the body's way of saying, hey, pay attention here, something's going on. And sometimes there'll be a message, and if you if you can put yourself in a quiet place and and just kind of gaze off into space for a while, daydream it. Uh, and see if you can find the message. Yeah, there's there's something about daydreaming where we let go of the reins, so to speak. We we quit driving our thoughts and we let them drift. And there's something that happens when we do that that affords a a, a different intelligence, if you will, within our persona, like our bodies that say, you know. You're not getting enough sleep. You're too stressed, or whatever. And so that daydreaming affords um, that information to come in. Whereas if we stay in our busy mind, life in the fast brain, and we don't free up any consciousness, um, that's probably why the body resorts to pain to get our attention. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you've got a, a job where you're you're standing in a particular position uh, all day long, your your body's going to fuss about it eventually, and so you need to either stand in a different way or get yourself a high stool so that you can continue doing the work. But something needs to change. The body's fussing. Hey, we don't like you putting all your weight on your left foot all the time. That kind of thing. Right. Well, sometimes, you know, when I talked about um, ulcers and then I released this emotional um, energy Mm -hmm. in my psyche, um, I recently came across some pretty painful um, events in my life, and they weren't related to to today, in, in other words, um, some old pain came up in my psyche, and it was very intense pain. It, and I chose, I chose to turn and face the pain, and feel every single drop of the pain, and then I engaged and moved through the pain, and it. Yes. it it cleaned my clock. It was tough stuff. It wiped me out like a freight train. But um, I feel that I, I don't know, discharged or released an immense, an, a, an extremely large amount of energy out of my psyche. This is within the last six months or so. And, and, my experience of myself, uh, I would say my health improved maybe 500%. Uh, 
<laughs> it was it and and I was thinking about our relationship to pain because as a little kid, I mean, or perhaps parents of a little kid, the little kid falls over and you see them bawling their head off, and it's like, you know, I don't like to see you in pain. Suck it up. And and it's almost like if we don't allow that pain out, it accumulates perhaps in our psyche. What do you think? Yes, I, I think you're right on. And what, from an energetic point of view, which is the way I look at things, what you did for yourself in working through releasing all of that was you brought your own field into balance, and then your body healed itself. So maybe it's when we avoid the body's message um, to it's bring... It's going to get worse until you pay attention, yeah. So do we teach ourselves how to be comfortable feeling uncomfortable? No, because uh, we need we need each other. To do it alone, uh, it, it, you're you're an unusual person in that you could do it alone. Most people need the help of another person, somebody who's of more experience, knows more about it, has a skill that can help them get well. Very right. few of us can do it ourselves. Hold, yeah, to to hold the space for them, and and like it, yeah. like I like the garden holes example. Um, so you're you're the vehicle or the opportunity, so to speak, for for the the client to have the release. I see what you mean. Yes. Yes. So. so Tell us your uh, your particular modality is healing touch. Can you share yes. with us the 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 fundamentals of that? Uh, somewhat, yes. Um, healing touch is a nursing paradigm. It came from therapeutic touch, uh, which was founded by nurses. Uh, the head, uh, the founder of Healing Touch was a nurse. I'm what they call a non-nurse because I definitely am not a nurse. But And you don't have to be a nurse to take Healing Touch. But what I love about it so much is when you take a Healing Touch class in Portland, Oregon, or in South Africa, or in Australia, or Peru, or Florida, it's all the same class. The teachers may have different personalities and different experiences to share, but you're going to learn the same techniques, the same philosophy all the way through. And that was what was very important to me when I got into healing work because it was really hard for me to believe it at first. And what finally changed me around was I broke a bone in my foot and a healer came along and did their little magic with healing touch and... um, I was able to walk again about four or five weeks later, and I had really broken it. I dropped a sewing machine on it. <laughs> but, yeah, but then I be- became more open to the spirituality that they also do. And in Level 3 in Healing Touch, we actually talk about spirit guides and working with them and 
and how to how to listen to them and and go for the guidance. So it's a, it's a lovely combination of both. My and spirit very, guides always always seem a little hungover in the morning. I think they go to the <laughs> spirit bar and drink at night. I must be a challenge for them. I'm the reason they drink. No, I'm kidding. Well, I'm sure um, my my nurse all upset in the morning too. Oh, she's done it again. <laughs> oh, she's back. Lock down the hatches. Well, the now now. You say you're not a nurse, but you're working in hospitals. So yes. explain that. Uh, for a lot of my classes are taught in hospitals. I'll have a nursing student who will arrange to have a room. And everybody can come. You don't have to be a nurse in, in any of my classes, even in a hospital setting. Um, when I'm here in Portland, when I work with a client, the client signs a form that gives permission for me to come in and and do healing touch. Now, I well, don't know if that's required for Reiki people because they're also in the hospitals quite a bit, but I know for healing touch anyway, my clients have always had to sign a form granting me permission to be there. And so I will be there in the morning before their surgery and balance the field and uh, calm some of the anxiety that they're feeling, and then I will be there as soon as they will let me when the surgery is over with. Now, in other states, I've been actually even in the recovery room, but Oregon is kind of has some different rules about that. Well, so now, um, how do you how do you approach a hospital? I don't I don't have any. I mean, so say say you, you, you're you've had a you modality a for a while. I'm sorry. You need a contact. Okay. You need to know somebody there who can help out. But how does that uh, work out? I mean, well, for example, uh, um, the the VA hospital in Vancouver, Washington. There, there's a lovely gal. She's retired now, but 20 years ago. Um, she had heard about energy medicine, and she had heard about healing touch. And so she wanted to do some kind of an introductory thing at the hospital. And she figured, so somebody recommended me, and I said, sure, that sounds like fun. So off I went over there, and she was expecting maybe eight or ten people, and it would last half an hour. About 25 people showed up, and it took an hour and a half. And then we started scheduling classes from that. Then people from other VA hospitals started hearing about it, and it spread all across the country. So uh, healing touch is quite commonly found in VA hospitals. does wonderful things for for the, the stress that the, the well men and women have been under who've, who've served in the armed forces. Oh, I bet. Yeah, well, it helps with PTSD. It it helps with all kinds of things. Well, that's that's so nice to hear. Uh, to hear because um, well, I don't have any experience with hospitals, and it's just nice that um, they're opening up to 
these types of modalities to happen inside the hospital themselves. So that um, that's a curious thing. It'll be interesting to watch over time. Yeah. So so how can go ahead to know somebody who's in the hospital who can make the arrangements for us. It used when I first started, it was really fairly easy because uh, the hospitals paid for the nurses continuing education. And uh, so I would go to the director of continuing education and talk about healing touch. And they go, oh, yeah, we've heard about that. Let's do a class. So I, it, it was easy to sell because it sells itself. Same thing with therapeutic touch. Um, but now classes are all done online. They're, they're through Zoom or whatever. And they don't even have a director of continuing education anymore. And the hospitals are not paying for it. So at that time, it was easy. Now, my emphasis is more on the general public than it is on on the hospitals itself. But I usually find some, well, I can teach classes up at the VA hospital anytime I want to. Very nice. Well, now, let's put the attention on you and your book. Um, How do we get your book? Okay, you can go to my website, lennythomas.com, and I have links to to Amazon and Barnes & Noble and to Llewellyn, who are the wonderful publishers of this book. They've been fabulous to work with, by the way. And Or you can get one from me. If you get one from me, you get a signed copy. But, (laughs) But there's no way I can sign through Amazon. It doesn't work. Nice. Well, now... Um, besides the book, do you have classes or anything that might interest the audience? I have two different classes. I teach Healing Touch, Level 1, the first in class that you get. I also teach a class called Recognizing and Communicating with Your Spirit Guides. Nice. And when I have them going, they're on my website. Right now I don't have one uh, We've had a family difficulty, and so I haven't been teaching for a little while, but I'm about ready to get back into it. Nice. Well, now, if if or if I'm a listener to the show now, and I'm new to the whole notion of energy medicine, what um, what would you tell a newbie about? energy medicine i mean what because uh, it's not always obvious um what would you tell a a, a new person to this this the modality? first thing I, I tell them is that we're not in competition with allopathic medicine traditional medicine traditional western medicine uh that's important for them to know the second thing is i would talk about how it's balancing the field in one way or another. And then I would probably feel them out as to where their comforts are. Um, If it's a born-again Christian, I'll I'll speak in a language that is comfortable to a Christian. If it's somebody who's deeply spiritual, I'll speak in a language that's more spiritual-related. 
and it depends upon where the person's at. I, I can't really, each person's different. I can't say it's this way or that way or another way. Uh, it's a heart-to-heart talk with the person. Right. Right, you got to meet them where they're at. I see the forward yes. for your book was written by Cindy Dale. We've actually had her on the show, so that's yeah. Isn't she a delight? She is. She's a pistol. Oh, I, 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 we're acquaintances, and and uh, I, whenever we get together, we have a lot of fun. She she only has one speed, and that's wide open. I mean, <laughs> she sure she, does. Oh she my just goodness. goes and goes and goes. Well. It's been nice talking about this, and I, what a wonderful book. You've done a fabulous job, The Encyclopedia of Energy Medicine, a comprehensive reference to healing modalities from acupressure to zero balancing. Lenny, I want to thank you for being our guest on the show tonight. I've really enjoyed it. Well, thank you for having me, Les. I've had a ball talking with you. You're a great delight. And I'll be telling everybody to be sure and listen. Bravo. We've been talking with Lenny Thomas, and the topic tonight has been the title of her book, The Encyclopedia of Energy Medicine. Very nice. Very nice. She's done, she's done a lot of work. I mean, this, this, is, this book is just packed with... Um, all kinds of information. I'm, I'm very impressed. Very good job. Well, you know, there's the notion of there's. I, I want to talk about two two modalities, and I'm going to use the metaphor of a bicycle. Really? Um, yeah, a bicycle. You can. You can fix a bicycle, and you can ride a bicycle, and those are quite different. To fix a bicycle and to ride a bicycle. So often we can um, maybe we we are born into a hardcore household, and there's domestic violence and abuse and and we we get out of the house and we go to college and we're metaphorically licking our wounds and and we're pretty messed up metaphorically this is just an example but um for many people many of them we've had on the show they they were born into a very very difficult and challenging environment and so people want to feel better and I totally get that. And so to feel better, to heal yourself, to to get back up on your feet metaphorically would be equivalent to fixing the bicycle. You're fixing your modality. You're restoring your your balance, your constitution, your demeanor. And a lot of times I think that people get to a point where their life becomes manageable and perhaps somewhat easy. They have a job now. They have their own place. 
dad doesn't beat the crap out of him every night. Maybe dad's passed on. And and they're kind of out of the woods. They're out of the woods. But maybe in their whole entire life, they've never metaphorically ridden their own bicycle. Now, I shared about when my life got cracked open. And I've been pondering that for <laughs> really decades. And I, 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 look, I, I look at how I would describe the difference. What's different about my life? Well, I would say the difference is that my life is more like a, a drunk housefly in that, in that um, before I got cracked open, I am an engineer. I work in television. Dun, 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 dun. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a and and I had this white picket fence idea of who I was, and and sure it quote worked unquote. And I'm not I'm not here to um, bash anything. I'm just here to share how my life changed. And when I got cracked open. 25, 30 years ago, whatever, I started recognizing when I would get inspiration. Les, write a book. Uh, me? What? Les, write a book. Les, start a podcast. Les, practice energy work. Les, and what I'm getting at here is, here I am decades later, and I have no flipping clue. It's that drunk housefly thing. Where the hell am I going? I kind of gave up on wanting to know some kind of a linear trajectory for my life. And and metaphorically, that's the riding the bicycle thing. Riding the bicycle. When your ego lets go of this linear trajectory for your life where your ego lets lets go of these these simplistic terms of that seems to uh, quantify or or categorize I'm an engineer dun, 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 dun. it's I don't I don't really care about titles or Think of me what you want. I don't want to hold on to a particular title. I don't because the more I I corral myself into a description, the um, how do you say that? The 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 more rigid I see myself, the less flexible I am for my heart and my soul to inspire me. The more rigid I see my future. I'm going to be an engineer, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. The more rigid I am in my mind, in my ego, I'm literally collapsing. I'm collapsing possibilities, probabilities of what my life could be. I mean, our souls are these vast, nonlinear 
um, personas that that can think in ways our ego can't even comprehend. And unless we teach our ego to pull the steering wheel off and hand it up to our soul and let the flip go, we don't know what it's like to ride a bike. We don't know what it's like to be open to a dynamic a dynamic unfolding of potential in your life, a dynamic um, trajectory, that drunk house fly. It's like, I have no idea idea what's going to come my way for the rest of my life, and I don't want to miss a thing. I trust my heart and my soul. If my soul told me to write screenplays or whatever, I'd get on it because I it, it's foolish for my ego to vet inspiration from my heart and my soul. My ego is not qualified to vet inspiration from my heart and my soul because my ego argued for years about writing a book. Write a book? Oh, hell no. Write a book? Oh, hell no. My ego would have nothing of it, but now I write all the time, and I enjoy writing, and I wouldn't, I would have never have discovered the joy of writing had my ego not let go, not stepped aside and allowed my heart, my soul to have sway in my day, to ride your to ride to ride your bike metaphorically is to to get out of your head and get into your heart to get out of your head and and hone the vision that your soul has for your life get out of your head and let the the bigger you the the soul wisdom guides you moment by moment, day by day. I don't need to know what next week or next month or two years from now or 10 years from now looks like. Crap, I don't want to nail that down now. Why would I do that to myself? I wouldn't. Life is much more dynamic when you have the breeze in your hair you're on the bike and you're going let's go down to the river and let's go get some ice cream and it's a completely different thing to fix the bike and to ride the bike so we've been talking about healing modalities tonight and two thumbs up by god let's heal ourselves shall we yes 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 let's fix that bike yes 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 let's restore ourselves to that brand spanking new soul that just walked through the door without the karmic imprinting, the karmic trajectory, the karmic momentum that we might have accumulated over our many lifetimes. Let's free ourselves up by releasing the incongruent aspects of ourselves mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and our body will always respond in kind. Boy, howdy. I want to thank you, the listener. Here we are at the end of the show, and here you are, too. You showed up for yourself. You showed up for yourself. Kudos to you. That's very nice. That's very nice. 
It's always a pleasure for me. Thank you for sharing this time with me. This has been a New Human Living broadcast. If you're looking for spiritual resources, there's literally hundreds of podcasts just like this one, free online. You can find them at newhumanliving.com. If you sign up for the newsletter, I write a weekly blog that helps you contemplate the nature of nature, contemplate the nature of your own human genome, contemplate your own human potential. How powerful is that? I can say it's powerful because you are powerful. I want to thank you for joining us in tonight's broadcast. I appreciate you, the listener. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.